Hi. My name's Nicole Georges. I'm a teacher, cartoonist, and advice columnist from Portland, Oregon, currently living in Los Angeles, California, with my half-blind chihuahua, Ponyo Georges. <laughs> This is a live version of our podcast, Sagittarian Matters. Today on Sagittarian Matters, live from the Armory. <laughs> with special guests Lacey Davis, Brandy Taylor, and Kaya Wilson. Stay tuned. Hi, thanks for coming. Uh, we're here at the Armory. Professor Ponyo, producer Ponyo, is on my lap wearing a denim harness. She is a little bit hangry this morning after not finishing her kibble, and we have a full day with vegan taste testing, advice from an astrologer, a lot of lesbian talk, music, and more. My first guest is Lacey Davis. Please welcome her. I want to give a shout out to producer Chris Sutton, who keeps things together as field producer Ponyo. As field producer Ponyo messes them up, Chris puts them back together. Lacey, welcome to Sagittarian Matters. Thanks, Nicole. It's nice to have you back. Yes, you're very far from me. We're very far <laughs> from each other, but not in spirit. No, we're right here. I was going to move it, but I can't. It's fine. Lacey, what did you bring for us to try today? I brought... First, I will discuss this bar, Grow brand. I chose this bar for a few reasons. First of all, all the vegan protein bars that I could find had very suspect marketing, like the Slim Bar or the Skinny Bar, and I don't like that body shaming shit. So I chose this one because it did not do that, and because the predominant protein is sprouted watermelon seeds. What? <laughs> Absurd! I don't know. All right, let's crack it open. Okay.、Um, while you're cracking it open, I want to say you just opened a gym called Liberation Barbell. Yes, I did. Liberation Barbell is a gym that is queer friendly, body positive, and where you can learn to be a weightlifter. Yeah, like Bran. Where is it? It's at Southeast 80th and Herald, which is close to Foster. Great. And we later will be talking about your book *Ink and Water*, which is your new graphic novel, which you made with your partner Ket Nerd. Yes. All right. It's true. You can purchase it today. Give me that bar. Okay. I don't like bars, just so you know. I know. I tried to find a protein snack that wasn't a bar and didn't need to be heated, and it was very challenging. Which is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell me, me why it's your favorite. This is my favorite. I bought it because it was weird and it didn't body、okay. shame. <laughs> I know it's the only bar that doesn't have anything to do with、uh, wasting away. Okay. Okay. It、um, tastes like punishment food. It tastes like vegan sadness in the Midwest. You know what? This is like when I first went vegan 20 years ago. You would go to like a vegan restaurant, and there would be a cake, and it would taste like this. And it would be seven dollars for a slice. It would not be good. All right, let's try the other thing you brought. This isn't delicious. No one buy this. Thank you. Well, watermelon seeds—that's interesting.、Um, if you're a fan of the podcast, you know that I don't like bars. But my friends are always trying to feed me bars. Morgan's always trying to feed me a bar. Rocco wants to feed me a bar. I'm not interested in a bar. I'm interested in a shake. Okay. This is a shake. This is my favorite, actually. Okay.、Um, the brand is New Zest. And you, C E S T, and it is my favorite because it does not use stevia to sweeten it.、Oh. Stevia tastes very bad to me, so this is better. I'm drinking this out of the tiniest <laughs> mason jar with a tiny little handle that's just big enough for my finger. And、uh, what's it sweetened with?、Uh, monk fruit. Heard of that? This is kind of delicious. How much protein? It has 20 grams per serving.、Whoa. That is great for my bodybuilding lifestyle. <laughs> I thought you might like that. Yeah, it's very good. Lacey, can we talk about your book? Yeah. All right. Ink and Water、uh, goes through your life、uh, as somebody who had an eating disorder and coming out of it. Yeah. My questions for you are: What do you do 
if, or how can you tell if you have an eating disorder? And I don't mean, you know, like the end of the spectrum where you're wasting away and your teeth are coming out and your heart is failing. I mean, like, you know, people are like, healthy, 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 just health. It's just health. Come take the gluten-free tour of Whole Foods. It's just health. You know, what is, what is the moment where you draw the line between just being like, I'm super healthy and being like, this is a disordered way of thinking? Mm, that's a very good question. Um, for me, my food stuff started with wanting to just be healthy. I was like, oh, there's all these like terrible processed foods. I should really try to be a better person by being healthier. And um, there were physical things that told me that things had gone awry, but the mental stuff was that I was thinking about food all the time and not in a fun way. So like really trying to coordinate my day around food and exercise and letting other things go in favor of having the perfect food or perfect exercise, um, I think is a good sign. Also, if you think there's a perfect food, like that might be a sign that things have gone awry because everybody's body is different. There's no perfect way of eating for every single person. Um, yeah, I think just like the mental chatter, if you're thinking about food more than like 20 to 30% of the time, then maybe that's bad. Or, you know, sometimes people just really like food yeah. and they're like really excited to eat. That's probably fine. But if you're like kind of afraid of food or you have a lot of judgment around other people's food, then that might be bad. All right. Well, what was the moment for you that helped you form a different relationship with your body that wasn't based on your body being bad? Hmm. There were two things that happened. One is that I started teaching high school and I started talking with teenage girls regularly and I was like, oh God, like I am a role model for teenage girls and I would never want them to feel this way that I do. So that was really good in the sense that it gave me a lot of initiative to be a better role model. And also I started lifting weights, which is why I'm so excited about Liberation Barbell because it really changed my relationship with my body and it made me think about how my body could perform and what I could do as opposed to how it could look. Oh, I love that. You should come lift weights with me. I would love to lift weights. I have very weak wrists. I'll get you a wrist wrap. Done. <laughs> done and done. Well, will Great. you tell me about how this book came to be? And can you hold it up for us? Yeah. This is my book. Congratulations. Um, let's see. The abridged version of how it came to be is that I started writing a blog called Super Strength Health and doing a podcast called Rise and Resist, and both were kind of about fitness and feminism and recovery, and I was like, I mean, in my mind, everyone wants to write a book. I've wanted to write a book since I was small, and I was like, this should be a book. I should write a health textbook to cover all of health, and then, perfect. yeah, perfect. I know everything about health as a personal trainer. That's not true. Any personal trainer that tells you that is lying. Um, so I pitched that to a publisher, and they were like, this is um, quite a project, and you need a doctor or a nurse to co-write it with you. And I was like, oh, I don't want that. You're like, I live in Portland. There's plenty of people with tinctures around. I don't need that. We're all nurses, kind of. No, I didn't think that. I was like, that's too much work. I can't. Also, I don't, I'm not qualified. Someone else should write that book, or many people, probably. And then... Um, someone that went to graduate school with my partner contacted him and they were like, hey, uh, they were a mental health imprint and they were like, you know what's really hot? Graphic novels. We want to break into the graphic novel scene. Would you want to draw one of those? Also, do you know anyone who is writing about a health topic? And then I was like, me, me, pick me. Um, so then we made the pitch and they were, it originally was like a young adult novel kind of book about recovery and they asked us to make it punker and with more cussing done done so we done. did can i ask you a question what do you do if you suspect a friend has an eating disorder my recommendation is to tell them because what if you're afraid they're going to get mad at you they might okay um lots of people talked to me about my eating disorder before like i was willing to acknowledge that i was like everyone's just jealous of my beautiful health um <laughs> they weren't they were not <laughs> my health was not beautiful um and i had some friendships that were strained for a little bit but like after some time and some growth i realized that I should be really grateful to them and said as such. So even though it might be hard for your friendship for a little bit, I think you have to look at the big picture. And if you're seeing 
someone that's like saying really unhealthy things about their body or seeming really sick and you don't say something, you're kind of co-signing it. So Damn. You don't you don't have to say your shit is fucked, but you can be like, hey, I'm worried about you. Is everything okay? Yeah. And do not like my suggestion is don't comment on people's bodies. Don't say, I notice you've gained a lot of weight or lost a lot of weight and that makes me feel worried. I think there's a smoother way to say like it seems like you might be struggling. What do you say? Well, it seems like you talk about food a lot. Yeah. Okay. Seems like you talk... Well, I mean, but some people... That's the thing about eating disorders. It's very tricky. Some people just really like food and talk about food a lot. But you can say, like, it seems like you're sad lately. Honestly, my opinion... Or it seems like you're really manic lately. What's going on? Like, people that are having food stuff tend to have, like, really manic highs or really low lows. And you can comment on things that you're witnessing that aren't necessarily their body. I like that. Um, Would you like to put some of this vegan cheese into your body? Oh, yes. Really, I do. We have a vegan cheese plate here from Urban Cheesecraft. In a moment, you will all receive some vegan cheese from Urban Cheesecraft in the audience. Uh, Lacey, do you want to try cream cheese, lemon, pepper, feta, queso fresco, or pimento cheese? Mm, Queso fresco. Okay. Go ahead and start loading that up. This is... uh, Yes. Macadamia base. Highlights. It's a melting cheese. Jalapeno and cilantro. Tang from lime and sauerkraut brine. So Claudia, who makes this, uh, was not even vegan, but she is partnered with a dairy-free person, so she cared enough to create a way for us to have vegan cheese on our own. What do you think? It's so good. I was really worried it wouldn't be that good, and that I would have to say, Claudia, it's not that good, but it's so good. That's the best vegan cheese I've ever had. Um... It tastes not like nuts and not like coconut and not like soy or oil, which is all the things all the other vegan cheeses I've had taste like. Um, It's really unique. Maybe it's the sauerkraut brand? I don't know. That would be great on a taco or a taco salad. I'm going to tell you who likes it. Producer Ponyo really likes it. It's pretty good. It's delicious. Lacey, is there one last piece of advice you have for young women who live in a body. Do not put a chip in your mouth when Nicole is about to ask you a question. Um, Piece of advice for... Sorry, I got so nervous that I was eating. Any young woman (laughs) who lives in a body. Oh, yeah. Um, Let's see. Your body is not the most important thing. When you participate in talking shit about your body, it's bad for you and it's bad for everyone else around you. I think we all have a responsibility to try to respect our bodies. You don't have to like it. Like, bodies are weird. They're, like, hairy and wet and strange. Um, But just, like, a healthy respect for your body really goes a long way for society. And I know that sounds like a big weight to bear because it's all of our responsibility, but it, it really does make a difference. The more I surround myself with people that don't, talk badly about their bodies that don't disparage themselves while they're eating, the more I am able to also not do those things. And it is a way better life. Your life is way more interesting than dieting. And also diets are a lot like eating disorders. So be careful if you're dieting. Thank you, Lacey. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Okay. Claudia is going to give you guys all, everyone in the audience is going to get some vegan cheese to try if they care to try it. And you are going to be nibbling on your cheese while you listen to the musical stylings of Capricorn friend Kaya Wilson. This is a song for Andy and Basket, my dead dogs. But they've been dead a long time, so I'm okay now. Kind of.
pretty drunk. <laughs> this is a song that's, uh, this is an old song that uh, I did have one. I didn't finish it. I'm, I'm saving. Yeah. yeah I'm having one light lager because I, I run nervous. <laughs> and uh, this is a song I wrote uh, the chorus to when I was 16. So I was just at least 10 years old. noted I never did touch her. It's inaccurate. I did see her. So that, that part of the lyric set is accurate. Um, I was just going to play one more. Do I have time for that? It's a short little song about when I hiked the PCT. I totally didn't hike the PCT. But I mean, you know, I mean, I've been on sections for, you know, at least an hour. As probably many of you have too. 
But I like to imagine that I have hiked the PCT. I mean, this is a love song. It's not about my... I decided not to do the other dead dog song. <laughs> Came in, stole my life. Saw it shine back in your eyes. Bright stole my reason. No reason left, I'm left with sight. In the woods, we walk for miles. Days to weeks. Months we step one foot after the next of mountains, cougars on our scent. so much. You guys are all real, real nice. Hey, you want to keep wearing your guitar or no? You want to keep holding it, wearing it? Yeah. (laughs) It was my mom's guitar. It was? I stole it. But Kaya, did you bring us? I stole the TV. What? Thanks for playing. Did you bring a snack for us to try? Oh, shoot. Yeah. I I should go get it. Is it it in the guitar? It's over there. Those are those are them. And then there was like some. Yeah, no, not the water, but the. I'll drink water. Pastilles, yes. Rescue remedy pastilles, please. What did you bring? Well, technically, this is a vegan snack. A rescue like, remedy pastille. It might run. mess up my palate from the cheese. You don't run nervous. It's okay. I do. I down like eight of those. Just, you did. And I then have, beer, and it's. Still I hide it. I have nervous. no nerve receptors. I'm so Kaya. You don't know this. Yeah. Listeners of the podcast know that though I am a Sagittarius. I have a Capricorn moon and rising. I like it. So you and I actually have more in common than you might imagine. <laughs> like a stern Saturn ruled. Hardworking, grounded. This isn't even comes open. Out. Hardworking. Sometimes. But have you ever heard the, um, you know those songs that that guy, what's that guy's name from YouTube? And the Capricorn one is such a bummer. Oh. Harvey Sid Fisher. Like the old days? Yeah. His song goes, I was born a Capricorn. 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 Well, no, then he says, I make love by the numbers. I'm never bored by routine. Which I feel like is a drag. It's an advertisement for our song. Romantically speaking. I I have a new goal, and I'll write a new Capricorn song. Really? For the Capricorns. Thank you. I know you already have a wonderful Sagittarius song. Well, we do, but do you have any ideas of what the Capricorn song will say? Right now? Yeah. Just like improvising. I I mean, scatting. Scat? I'd love to scat, but nobody wants to hear that. No, I can't. I'm just now I nerved up. Can I just have pimento, some? paprika, creamy cashew spread by New Culture? It's not. That's weird. what we're eating. Everybody, how is your vegan cheese? Yeah. Oh, thanks. There's a couple. What if there's somebody back going? Boo! We would hoist them over this gate. Good. I hope that you enjoy. It's from Urban Cheesecraft. It was so delicious. Why can I segue into when your mother threw shade at Courtney Love? All right, it's true. Um, In uh, just a few years ago, when I was 19, and I was in a band called A Dick Did. That's spelled A D I C K D I D. It was a grunge, all girl grunge band, from 1991 to 1993, and we were uh, touring with Hole. We were Mm -hmm. booking a tour, and this meant we did stuff on the telephone. It was pre-internet, and um. At the time, I was living with my parents, and so the phone number that Courtney Love, who I was coordinating some of the show bookings with, she had that my parents' phone number, and she um, she called at two in the morning, and that that really fucking pissed my mom off. 
But my mom's. You mid- didn't have your own line. You shared a phone with your parents. Well, yes. I mean, wait. Yeah, it was landline. Yeah, landline days. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so uh, mom, mom is very sweet Midwestern lady. Very, very sweet. But she, she, well, she two in the morning. Yeah. You know, she gave her tone. She said to Courtney Love, and there's a split screen. I'd like you to imagine Courtney, Courtney Love at 2 a.m. And my mother, having been woke from her sleep, thinking somebody had died, and then. The tone. She, I mean, she, she didn't, she was actually, for, for my, you know, it was pretty tempered. She just said, no. who's calling? <laughs> that was it. Then woke me up to say, Kaya, someone named Courtney Love is on the phone. It's two in the morning. I had to take it. <laughs> Mom, you know? I gotta take this. Yeah, I mean, it got me all the way to stardom. It took you right to the top, and here we are. Right to the top. Here this we are. This is the top in my book. This is good. We have a dog. We're singing songs about dead dogs, eating vegan cheese I mean, and yeah. creamy pimento paprika spread. That is the top. Drinking part I, of I a light beer? At, at 1 p.m. At 1 p.m. Uh, I need yeah. to tell you a couple of things. One of the things is I had at a certain point my own phone number in my basement bedroom oh. so that I could have my own answering machine so I could play like punk music or whatever on the answering machine. So when people right, called, right, they'd be like, yo, what's up? I'm not here right now. Leave a message. I, you know what to do. Beep. You know? That's really, that's, that's nifty. Cool. You were lucky. I know. I was very yeah, lucky. I, mean, I was quite lucky. That's but a- also, I want to tell you, the song 16 is on my work playlist. Ooh. So I didn't yeah. have my own. I didn't have an. One time I went to Beth Ditto's house, and I had a disc man that I was masking taping closed so I could ride my bike home. Yeah, they- and play oh, my okay, CDs. Yeah. Popped right open, and then they? Beth was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, this is just my disc man. She's like, here. And she gave me an iPod. And I was like, There's what? That. Don't you need this? And she was like, the songs are on my phone now. And I was like, okay. And so I had it. But then I realized if I tried to format it with my computer, I would lose all the songs. So I've never formatted it to my computer. It's almost like she gave me a very intense mixtape a long time ago. And in the top 25 most played songs was the song 16 That's cool. by you. That's and so nice. every time I sit down to, pl- to draw, I play that playlist because it's all songs like I'm literally very... every time? Yes. That's amazing. Yes. So that song is very much in my head. So I was very excited you played oh. it. I couldn't even ask you to play it because yeah. I thought you would be like, come on, I wrote that when I was 16 a yeah, few no. years ago. I have, no sh- I have no pride or shame. <laughs> okay, okay. You're like, that's <laughs> like a three-year-old song. There's yeah. no way I could yeah. still play that. You know? Whatever, man. It's over. Anyway, I wanted to tell you that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. You're so welcome. That makes me feel real special. Um, I want to go back with you in time because we live in 2017, and a lot of gay people are finding out about gay from the Internet. And uh, (laughs) they're finding out about gay from the Internet, and I feel like history is missing. You know? So Mm -hmm. then they come around, and they're like, RuPaul isn't using the right terminology for things. And you're like, what are you talking about? RuPaul created that. Um, Yeah. But so people don't really have a reverence for history, and I thought, you're not that old. However, you have lived through a lot of lesbian history and important moments. Can I you... am perimenopausal, though. You are? Oh, I think you've been perimenopausal for the past 10 years. I feel like you told know, me that. I know, I have. You told me that like eight, eight years ago. Eight years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally. <laughs> you were like, I'm perimenopausal. And so now... In and out of it, you know, do some research. In and out of it. Feelings of doom. What does it mean to be perimenopausal? Can Feelings I... of doom. Like, look it up on, you know, Mayo But that's like the Clinic. same as having Twitter. Mayo Clinic. All right. Yeah. Having right. Twitter, I feel feelings of doom. <laughs> but anytime my period is irregular now, I'm like, am I perimenopausal like Kaya was when she was my age? Like, <laughs> well, I feel like you've been doing that since you were like 30 years old. Yeah. You're like, I'm ready for the big 35, change. 35. Okay. I'm ready. Bring it. But can we talk about... Oh, the difference? When times? you came out in the year 1991. I came out in the year 1988 to myself and my little dog, Mandy. But How did you know? I knew since I was born. I mean, or whatever, since my earliest recollection okay. of attraction okay. was always to women. Um, so, you know, but I was, I was very, very ashamed of it. Um, even though I grew up, luckily, in an atheist household with really supportive parents, and that probably helped me come out so young at the time, but it was still really hard. Like, I was still, it felt a lot of shame and uh, embarrassment. It was a horrible secret I had, you know. Was there anyone who you saw in the world that was a lesbian? That you either looked up to or were weirded out by. There, uh, there, there as I, yeah, I got. I eventually I, I found the people, and one of the people became my bandmate, Donna 
uh, Dresch. Who, How did you find out about her? Um, through a, a zine, because there were a bunch of zines back then in the late 80s. Well, probably in the, earlier than that, but whatever. I found them in the late 80s and uh, early 90s. Donna had a zine called Chainsaw. So I, I got my hands on her, her zine, and then I wrote her a letter. Mm-hmm. And she wrote to, back to me. So, so she wrote- was the first like lesbian role model for me in this way. You were like in your parents' house in Springfield, Oregon. Yeah. Writing a letter, putting your parents' home as the return address. Yeah. Then Donna Dresch is yeah. sitting down, penning you a letter back. Yeah. What did she say? I mean, first of all, I probably wrote her five pages, she says, something like that. Five yeah. pages of yeah. lots of stuff about the girl in high school that I didn't touch, you know? Hey, oh, yeah. And then, um, <laughs> uh, and then she wrote me back, and it was just like one paragraph, and it was really simple. And, and the, the part that really stood out for me was that she said, you know, it was really, she said uh, about being gay and feeling like scared and, you know, whatever, ashamed of it or whatever, the struggle. She said it was so important to her to be part of this greater movement. And she said, if I, I wasn't born this way, I would definitely choose to be. And she put like, I don't know, 10 O's in the choose. So I just, it just stands out so, so huge for me. Like choose. I'm like, wow, she would have chosen to be you know what a what a cool concept that was in 1990 or when i think it was 1990 when i got that letter yeah and Um, you were telling me so we're here in honor of fun home the musical being put on the portland armory uh by portland center stage and you told me you actually were featured in a dykes to watch out for comic team dresh lyric yeah that that was a moment for me that was so wonderful because I also found gay, little gay publications in Eugene, mm-hmm. uh, and, and she, you know, the a Dykes to Watch Out For was syndicated there in Eugene, so in that those papers. So I, I also that was like so big to me. It's like this is Dyke culture, the uh, you know unpopular culture of it, is right here for for me to look at. And then in '95, I think '95, she she uh, quoted a lyric from a She's Amazing, a, song, a Team Dress song. And I, I was just like, oh, I've made it into like this world that I, you know, it's like a pedestal world for me, Alice and Bechtel. I was just like, yeah. this is so amazing. I felt so honored and, and stoked. And, and now Fun Home is, I'm blown away by how amazing it is. But that's another. Yeah. I mean. Well, I, I don't think that butch lesbians ever really had a time. No, not really. Katie Lang tried in 93 with the Crawford, Cindy Crawford, but it, and it was amazing. But it didn't, it didn't, and you know, I mean, there's a Madonna stuff with the, Jenny, Jenny Shimizu. Yeah, there yeah. was that stuff, but it was, you know, it kind of just, it had a teeny moment, but then it went, then went it But went Team away. Dresh, I don't mean to put labels on everyone, but mm-hmm. you guys were one of the, you were a very focal, uh, yeah. out there, butch, kind of butch band. Yeah, we were. Dyke band. How did that yeah. feel? We still play sometimes. I mean, I, I know we don't want to talk about it, but it, it was a little dangerous sometimes, you yeah. know? And this was a time, like, kind of pre or around Riot Girls, you know, and before yeah. Rock and Roll Camp for Girls and, like, a new generation of yeah. women growing up being like, oh, I can get on stage and it's okay and there's space for me. Like, right. you were having to claw that space and also yeah. not really being fuckable by straight rock and roll terms. I mean, by straight guy rock and no, roll I'm terms. No, I'm kidding. No, God, You know no. what I mean? No, I know what you mean. God, <laughs> no, we weren't. Okay. No. I'm glad we weren't, I guess, yeah. or whatever. It doesn't I mean, matter. Not... There, there should but be you know no such I... thing. It's gross. But but at the time, it was I like women it. get to be on the stage if we enjoy looking at them in this way. Right, exactly. Not because we value their voices or achievements. Exactly. No, I, I, okay, absolutely. Okay. And, uh, uh, yeah, sometimes it was dangerous. I'm glad I was 19, 20, and 21 yeah. during that band because in this way, that youthful kind of... Yeah, I don't know. Like invincibility? Yeah, like if I was there now, I'd be scared. <laughs> if you were in your mid-twenties, like I hate you are to now, say it, but I got wussier. Um, <laughs> or just, like, more aware of the danger now yeah. like, than, than I was. But, but certainly there, there were, yeah, I mean, we, there was, you know, we got gay-bashed uh, physically at some, one point, and then we had other, uh, you know, off. And we did tour with Bikini Kill and Riot Girl stuff. I mean, a lot of people wanted to come and just fuck, fuck with us, you know, because yeah. we were feminists and dykes and... They just wanted to fuck with us. But what makes you keep going? And what, what made you keep going and what keeps you going now? Right. Well, I do dog agility uh, now. That's very lesbian. You've that, actually gotten more lesbian. Does that count as keeping going? Time's gone by. You I know. Did, you also, got, you went to the gay games for table tennis. I know. This and then table tennis. I mean, I basically, well, I don't know. <laughs> but I what just, keeps you going? What made you keep playing music even um, though it was dicey? What keeps you going today as a musician and artist? Yeah. I mean, music is healing and making it and being part of it is, is, is its own catharsis in itself. And then being part of a bigger community, like we're talking about, like the, the queer movement um, of music and, and punk music kind of. I mean, it, it's very, I mean, it just, just feels good. It keeps me going because it just, it feels, it feels so right. 
you know? No. I don't mean, to, this is not, 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 Trademark. not meant to sound gross, but do you, can, do you, can you understand how many people you've touched with your music? <laughs> and uh, did you get to feel that kind of full circle-ness? You know, like, you were a kid in Springfield who Donna affected through her zine, yeah. and you wrote her letters. Yeah. As you toured and were a public figure in yeah. Dyke life, yeah. did you feel that coming back at you? Um, did I feel like I... Did you feel people being like, thank you? Yes. Yeah, a lot. And that was... I mean, I always felt like like the same to them, like as they felt to me. I'm like, well, yeah, thank you, because, I mean, we're... We're in this love together. Yeah. There's a song. But anyway. Go ahead. We're in this love together. So it's just, you know, just, it's always felt so, I mean, again, I felt honored, always honored that anybody felt moved or, uh, you know, like their life, like validated for being a little queer weirdo in their little town that there were no other queer weirdos around and they felt our music was the way that they could feel good about themselves. That, I mean, that, may, that means the world to me. So, yeah. I want you to know my straight guy friends and I were on a road trip to a hardcore festival in Chicago from Kansas City and they knew I was bisexual because I picked up a Team Drash cassette tape <laughs> at a record store on the it. way. Yeah. And I've been bi-curious ever since. That's a... Ah, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, All right. I want to I give a shout out in, in the name of writing fan letters. It's never turned out bad for me to write a fan letter to somebody. Yeah, that's a I'm, good... good you know, point. maybe when you're writing it, you're like, we're going to get married. And then you don't end up getting married to that person. But I've never no one, No artist has ever been like, how dare you tell me my art affected you? God, you know, right. Sure. Get back where you belong. They're always <laughs> like, I mean, even like I made fan art for a little bub, the cat. And oh, that turned God, out really well. I got to meet the cat. So I'm just saying make fan art, make fan letters. It actually still matters, even though it's the yeah. Internet. And you're like, well, they have so many likes on Twitter. They don't need me to tell. No, like write a piece of paper and say. You mean something to it me. It is paper, pen and paper. Do you have any last advice for young queer people or musicians? Any advice? Just love yourself, be, be good with yourself, and, um, and, and don't be afraid of, of putting out like music. Don't be afraid of it. Just, do, just get in there and do it because, you, you know, you don't have to have a goal. Just... Or, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to hope for getting recognition. Just do it because it feels good to, to do it. And to, I don't know. I'm a horrible This is good. Advice. This is good. Wait, I have a question. Uh, Some queer people have a hard time loving themselves. Yeah, I know. Do you have any kind of tip for how to love thyself? Do you fake it till you make it? Do you... Is there something... I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's something I've struggled with, too. I just... If, a lot of compassion. Uh, try to consciously think of compassion for yourself like maybe you would for some... In a dog that's yeah. having a hard time at the Humane Society. I mean, Think have like, compassion for yourself and know that you're, I mean, know that all the homophobia is just a total pile of nonsense shit. Yeah. So you are totally good. You're totally good. All, all the queers, you're so fucking great. Awesome. You don't got to worry. Well, Kaya, thank you for coming on Sagittarian Matters. Oh, thank you for having me so much. We're not going to feed you any more until the end, but I want to call up my final guest, Brandy Taylor of Magic Hour Astrology. We have advice questions that people from the audience have brought to us in an anonymous way. Oh my God, I have some in my purse. Claudia, can you give me that red purse? Or Chris, give me that red purse that's in my tote bag on the ground. I have some bonus ones from the other day. We have so many here, too. Brandy, who are you? What do you do? Hi. My name is Brandy, or Brand. Um, I'm a witch and a priestess here in Portland, Oregon. I do astrology and tarot readings and make magical candles in northeast Portland. And um, I'm also a fellow Sagittarian, and on Sundays we wear hats. Sagittarians wear hats on Sundays. Yeah, it's true. And I also brought... Shh. Sorry. Are you shushing me? The dog oh. was trying to eat the chips. I was like... Getting real. It's okay. Nicole probably could shush me, actually. Sorry. No, I wouldn't. Uh, are you ready for our taste test? Yeah. Are you a Sagittarius? I'm definitely a Sagittarius. What does that mean? Guess what? What? We have the same birthday. <laughs> We're getting claps for that. Um, I know. 
with right. Emily Dickinson and maybe somebody else I don't Emily know. Dickinson. I always wonder if it is her. I feel like Brad Pitt is in the same week. Okay, Brandy, we're going to do rapid-fire advice. It has to be super. So each, oh, okay, time, each one, we just have to get to the heart of the problem. We're here to help, and at the end of this, we're going to pull a name out of a hat, and the person who wins gets a copy of Lacey's book, Ink and Water. They get something that Kaya brought, a, a CD, a Team Dress CD, and you brought something. And they get a revolution candle that I handmade. All right. All right. Will you ask, will you quite ask our first question? I'll grab some in Patsy, sit. Sit. She's not doing it. She's checking the levels. <laughs> what is it? Uh, this one's just for me. Okay. This one says, there aren't enough hours. What do I do? <laughs> Which is an awesome question. Um... The advice I give to you is to drink some thyme tea. Why? Because thyme is an herb that we use in cooking. We also use it in tea. And thyme's magical properties are to either slow down or speed up time. So when you're drinking that tea, literally tell yourself, like, hey, I need a few extra hours in this day. And take, you know, a few deep breaths, drink that tea, and then trust me. you got to trust the process. That maybe a little bit, maybe like five minutes here, 10 minutes here, etc. you're going to add up on the hours that you have in the day. That's my advice. All right. Brandy, this is for both of us. How do you stay posy about the place you live when all your friends talk about moving away? Oh, tell me about it. The grass is greener, bitches. <sighs> um, what do you do? I don't know how you... I mean, living in Portland is a heartbreak because it's a place for creative people, and sometimes they get opportunities other places. So living in Portland, it goes in waves, though, where, you know, I have times where I've been like, I feel like I don't have any close friends, present company all excluded. But then I'm like, oh, I do. They just live other places now. They live in Canada. They live in New York. They live in San Francisco. Like, you do create connections here, and then those connections extend worldwide. But also then you have to be grateful for the people that are still here that are not always bumbling about leaving. And be like, oh, my God, I need to be grateful about Fo Jasmine still being here. I need to be grateful about Sushi Ichiban and all the things that I love about this place. True. And I think also, like, if it's right for that person to move away, it's right for that person to move away. All of my close friends don't live here, so I talk to them all the time on our lovely phones and just try to keep that web between us really strong. But um, it is challenging because you sometimes you know face-to-face. Yeah. And that might mean visiting Los Angeles. How can I explain to my nice mom the fact that I don't want to talk to my Trump-supporting sister anymore? Uh, I, don't know if he, I'm, I don't know if he's personally affected you, ask her. But um, I would just say, like, Mom, I am a blank. And so her voting for him feels like it's hurting me and my friends in this way. So I need some space. Love you. Love Christmas. Need a little space because I feel like my nerve receptors are shot right now from having to put out all the fires of the harm that my sister has done by electing this person. I, I wouldn't cut the person out, but I would call them on their SHIT, as I did with my mom. I was like, Mom, this is BS. Syrian mom with a Mexican grandbaby. Can you not vote for... Do you understand what you just did? And she's like, oh, honey, our, rel- our relatives were all legal. It's different. Oh, I was my like, God. Girl. Well, I don't know. What would Your you say? Your mom's piece of work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I, I fast-forwarded on to the next question. Okay. I'm sorry. But would you, would, you, would you cut out a family member who supported Trump? Um, I think cut out is a different scenario. I think, like, if you're a white person and your white relative voted for Trump, it's your responsibility to talk to that person. If it's a dangerous situation, of course, don't put yourself in that situation, but it's our job to dismantle white supremacy, so you have to put your... And that starts with people that you know. Yeah. You know, like people will always other someone. And until you have a face-to-face interaction with somebody who is, you know, you think is an other, that's actually when you change someone's mind. So, yeah. yeah. I like that answer. What's your next question? Uh, there's a f- actually a few creative questions. Okay. So I'm going to kind of put, a, put them together. All right. Um, one is like, how do you c- overcome a creative block? Or like, how do you keep creating if you're depressed? I think you have to keep creating because you're depressed. 
And you might create some depressing things, but you also need to take away, A, whether it's good or bad. You need to take away the value judgment of it. And just know as an artist, you know, and I learned this from Beth Pickens, art is how you, how you process the world and how you process your experiences. And so it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. You know, like I learned from Linda Berry, she's like, you know, your liver does an essential function in your body. You wouldn't look at your liver and be like, ew, it's so ugly. It just is what it is, and it does a function that serves you very well. So even if you're depressed, you're making depressing art, you don't have to sell it. It doesn't have to be good. You don't have to show anybody. You just need to get those feelings processed and out of you in a different way. If you're having a creative block, similar thing. Take away the way that you were doing it before. Take away good or bad. Take away who's going to like this and why. And just see if something comes out of you. And maybe while you're doing it at first, before you get running, when you're like kind of starting, you're like, oh, this sounds like everything I've heard before. That's okay. Just keep doing it. Keep in the physical practice, and your mind will catch up once you're in the flow. Uh, uh, great advice. Uh, also, um, just like give, your ch- give yourself a chance to visualize the world that you want to live in. And I mean, it's depressing. The world's depressing. Let's be real. So if you can take a minute to visualize the world you want to live in, think about what the ideal creative, um, you know, process or outlet or, you know, uh, support that you might need looks like. And then just even if it feels weird at first, kind of just be like, okay, well, if I was in that environment, what would I create? If I had that support, what would happen? How would I feel? And just, just try on that, that, um, those clothes for a minute and see how you move in that world because that's kind of how we create what we need. Brandy, can we try some chips really quick? Oh, I have a trio of chips. Also, everyone can try these after because I don't know if I can eat them all. Um, just so everybody knows, as she's getting those out, uh, after this is over, there's food over here. It is not vegan, but it is free and brunchy. We have it's vegan free. cheese from Urban Cheesecraft. There's wine and beer and mimosas. And I'm sure that you'll be able to try all the snacks that my guests brought, including Lacey's Power Bar. One nibble per person. I think there's somebody here that likes bars, even though I'm bar shaming you. I mean, the and bar so is really small. If you think it's a huge savings to take this bar, this is a lot of protein for you. It could last it you a lot. You're it, stuck actually. it in your pocket. Right. What did you bring? Okay, you trio? trio of chips. They're all weird. First one, not for sober folks, Moscow Mule. Ew. Which I didn't actually know what this was. It's a beverage. It's an alcoholic beverage Vodka. in a chip. Vodka. That's also vegan. Ginger beer. Oh, it's yeah, ginger beer? Ginger oh. beer and vodka like is beer. essentially what a Moscow mule is. It's not a savory dish. It smells like ginger oh. beer. No, no. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I don't go for a dessert chip. It's not salty enough. There's no vodka involved. It just tastes like a it's ginger a lot, a, no. brew scented chip. Really bad. Don't Very bad. Very bad. Sorry, Kettle Brand. Wow. All right, next one. Next one, which I confirmed on the PETA website, yes, is vegan. Thank you. Maple bacon chips. Okay. okay. Literally vegan. I confirmed, I promise. Thank you. Panya wants uh, to try it too. I like, a, I like a liquid smoke kind of uh, ode, ode to bacon, with, but not harming a pig. I think Panya would really like these. Yeah, Okay. It's kind of like when you ate like a honey mustard chip. It's the same sensation. You know? It doesn't taste like bacon at all. No. A little sweet, a little savory, and with an undertone of liquid smoke. You know no, I mean? it's not good. It's like when your dog treats and your like barbecue chips maybe got mixed up. Yeah. It's gross. <laughs> the next one, which is so awesome. This is... The number one flavor in Canada. Are there any Canadians here? Oh, my no. God. Wait till you see this. All dressed. Oh. What the fuck is this? What does it mean to be what all dressed? What is this? What does that mean? Not naked, folks. All dressed. I see vinegar and oil and chili and maple. It was Canadian Thanksgiving last, yesterday, and I was like, this is it. Does it have a descriptor on it somewhere? Oh my god, this is huge. This is a good chip. It's ketchup y. Can't wait for you guys to try it. No, this. it doesn't say anything. It doesn't say anything. It just says <laughs> ketchup plus barbecue vinegar. sauce, olive oil, a spilled mason jar of something. <laughs> I am dressed to impress. This is great. Thank you. Thank you, Ruffles. Oh, it's kind of like ketchup. Ketchup with vinegar? 
don't really know what that flavor is, actually. All right. We got, we got any other chips? We got, well, actually, we have one more chip. Give me one more chip. Okay, I'm going to open these. These are called tropical salsa. Oh. Come on. Does that mean mango salsa? I don't really know. Just drop like a banana salsa. Like pineapple. Oh, God. Pineapple. Well, In the meantime, you're... We need Lacey Davis to open these chips for me. Lacey Davis is a bodybuilder. She's been Excuse ready me, for this Excuse me, paging muscle life. queen. I okay, always... sorry. Don't let you... No pressure. No pressure. Lacey gets really annoyed because I think that she needs to be wearing a singlet, like a striped singlet with chalk on her hands and like a giant weight with like balloon weights on the end so that people can tell she's a bodybuilder. She's working on it. She, use your mouth. Use your mouth. All right. How, how do I, a 30-something, update my six-plus-year-old creative yet musty resume while remaining relevant and cool to the possibly 25-year-olds who will be hiring me? So how does the 30-year-old update their creative well, yet musty resume while remaining relevant? Just write, like, this resume is lit. Like, position, oh like, like include the word lit in your cover letter. Oh, please don't do that. Uh, this job was dank. Please also don't say that. I want this to, I work hard AF. Oh, my God. I want to say 30 is, like, you're not a crone. You know, it's not like no. you're like that out of touch, 25 no. to Crondom. So, no. you know, 30, you probably still have like a social media presence. Like, I think that's what people do is they put on like, here's my Instagram, here's I, this. And also like experience is a big deal. Yeah. So people want experience and you shouldn't have to dumb that down or, you know, seem like you're less relevant because you have awesome experience. You could be their manager. And I have to say, as was just seen, nothing makes you seem older than trying to use young things when you are unfamiliar with them. So, like, just be yourself. My friend Rocco, friend of the podcast, worked at BuzzFeed with a bunch of 22-year-olds, and he thought he was just in with them. Like, he has tattoos. He's cool. And then he met them afterwards for a drink after he quit, and they're like, yeah, have you ever seen that Steve Buscemi gif of him with his hat backwards saying, what's up, my fellow kids? They're like... That's how we felt about you in the office. No matter what you do, they can still tell you're 30. So even if you write lit or like pupper, doggo, whatever, um, LOL as your cover letter, they'll still know you're old. Okay, tropical salsa. Tropical salsa. It's also fried in avocado oil. Great. Love that avocado oil. It's expensive. I like it, but what's the point? It tastes like a papaya and a chip, which I don't appreciate. I don't appreciate this. Mm, I feel upset. I kind of like this one. It tastes like papaya foot. I love tropical fruit, so big surprise. <laughs> it doesn't taste anything like fruit, but it, uh, it doesn't have as much weird flavor on it. So that's, I think, why I like this one the most. It's also less sweet than the other Moscow Mule, which is by far the grossest. Somebody take this And maple bacon. Do you have another advice question Fine. for us? Uh, let me look here. Okay. I have enough. Yeah. I have, I, yeah. I have, a, I have an intense question. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. There's been a lot of too young deaths in my life lately, and it's resulted in me traveling more because who knows how long we have. Is this healthy? Should I be doing something else? I'm probably spending too much money and not saving. Oh, I have, I don't know. It's really nice. Experiential things, you're never going to feel like you wasted money having an experiential gift to yourself. However, traveling a lot, I have found, leaves you less grounded at home. So at the end of the day, you're like, what do I have? Because you've been everywhere else, but then you come home and, you know, depending on what kind of person you are, whether you're a Capricorn or a Sagittarius, or cancer, for God's sakes. Home could be very important. Your shell, your hermit crab shell, and the people around you could be the things that ground you that you want to hug when you die, not an airplane. I don't, I feel both, I feel two minds about it. Yeah, I think that you're not gonna regret traveling. Um, you might regret maybe going into debt to travel. So I think finding like a balance that feels good. Um, but I also agree with you about experience. like. You know, you like who cares if you like stuff doesn't really matter. Really, experiences matter. So if you're spending your money doing experiences, I think it's a great idea. Um, but you know, try to feed your your financial wellness as much as possible too, because you don't want to be off balance or 
you know, come home to no home or things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's very, very valuable advice, Randy. Um, okay, I have one more question here that's total non, if this is not advice. Somebody always tries to get philosophical or quiz me about quantum physics, and that's not advice. What is that beautiful house? Where does that highway go to? Am I right? Am I wrong? My God, what have I done? I don't know. This isn't advice. Is that a talking head song? That's a talking head song. That is not advice. I don't know where that beautiful house is, but if you travel too much, you won't have money to buy that beautiful house. And I want to say that if you are young and unencumbered right now and feeling like you need to see the world, do it because you never know how things could change. You could have a baby. You could get partnered. You could get a job that you don't want to leave. And so if you're, you're young and you want to travel, going back to the other question, do it while you're unencumbered, while you can, without going into debt. Brandy, what do you say to this philosophical question? Um, we read to me again. Who's what is this to, beautiful house? Where does that highway go to? Am I right? Am I wrong? My God, what have I done? This is all an internal thing. So like, your house is your body. Where does that road go to? That's your center place where all possibilities are present. That's your internal crossroads. Yes. And what's the last part? My God, what have I done? Well, that's a that's an existential crisis. I don't know. That's something that you have to really figure out for yourself. I want to do two things at once. I would like to serve you some of this lemon feta as I pull a name for the raffle. Okay. Okay. Will you serve yourself up some lemon feta? I thought you were serving me. Oh, you want me to serve it to you? Here. There you go. I'm touching it. This is, we have the same birthday. It's okay. same birthday. Lemon pepper feta, the base is almonds, highlights, sauerkraut, actual cabbage, lemon zest, coarse black pepper. Mm. That's good. What's that taste like to you? Kind of fishy. Oh. <laughs> but in a good way. Yeah. Like feta and lemon, sauerkraut. It tastes great. Will you? Can I make you, will you close your eyes and I'm going to hold these in my hand and you yeah. pick one? Okay. Wait. Who's closing their eyes? Me or you? You. Okay. Okay. This is our big winner of Wait. the day. Thank you every person for coming. Thank you for watching our cheese tasting and tasting your own cheese. Enjoying Kaya. Tweet about it. Instagram about it. Sagittarius Matters is a hashtag. It's not its own account. It does have a Facebook page. I'm at Nicole J. Georges. Ponyo is at Ponyo Georges. Brandy is at Magic Hour Astrology. Lacey J. Davis. I don't think Kaya has an active Instagram account, but she is on Facebook.com. Okay. Brandy, who is our big winner? Heidi Beaver! Yay! Brandy, do you have any last minute advice for queer people during coming out month? During these times. It's coming out month? Well, coming out day is next week. Oh my gosh. Well, congratulations if you're about to come out next week. Um, my advice is kind of what I said earlier, just to try to visualize the world you want to live in and do steps that are practical to make that happen. And a lot of that right now has to do with social justice, has to do with loving yourself, and has to do with really putting all of your energy into um, creating change and transformation for our entire society. So starts with us. Thank you, Brandy. And you have a cauldron back there. People can donate to. They can donate for uh, money to go to Puerto Rico. It's magical money. I'm going to bless and dress it. I'm going to send that money off. I know it's easy for people to just put a dollar in that cauldron, so I brought it with me. So if you have an extra dollar or whatever, it's right there. Please enjoy Fun Home at the Armory. $10 off if you use my last name, Georges. That's George with an S. And find Urban Cheesecraft Dairy Free on Instagram. Thank you for the cheese. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for the cheese. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with help from Ponyo Georges. Have a nice week. Not to be a Seinfeld, but have you ever noticed that I never try to sell you Blue Apron on the podcast? Or that we do not disparage and bemoan trips to the post office in favor of stamps.com? Well, it is because we have no advertisers. Zero. Producer Chris, producer Ponyo, and myself do this out of the goodness of our hearts. Because we like it. If you would like to tip producer Chris Sutton, who dedicates hours to this series every week, please, please, please. Please send your tip of $5, $10, who knows how much. That's your business via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That is hornet, like the insect, leg, 
like one of his appendages, at gmail.com. If you do this, we will read your name on the podcast. Isn't that exciting? We may have advertisers someday, and we'll rant and rave about free sex toys and mattresses and blue apron and whatever. But in the meantime, thank you. We appreciate your support, and I look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. That was Ponyo's voice. Don't be scared. Bye. Thank you this week to Shoshana Wechter. Thanks for being part of Ponyo's Inner Circle.